Good morning, everyone. It is really, really good to be with you this morning. My name is Eric, and just so grateful that we get to spend some time together uh, in the house of the Lord today. I want to welcome everyone that might be in the room with us today. Glad that you are here. Also want to give a welcome to anyone that's joining us live online right now, including anyone that's traveling for winter break. I know we've got some people doing that this week. Uh, And then hello to anyone watching or listening later on in the week. We won't judge you for sleeping in, I promise. (laughs) Uh, Special welcome to any guests that may be with us today. Uh, We have prayed for you. We really want this to be a low-pressure environment for you. Uh, And so we've developed a few avenues to serve you, answer any questions that might arise today. Uh, In fact, uh, the next few minutes are primarily for you, our guests. So one way that we hope to serve you is by connecting with you. And uh, uh, I'm going to say that we we want you to share your information with us. I know that's kind of like a curse phrase in the 21st century. Uh, We don't want your social security number. Uh, anything like that. Uh, All we want to do is be be able to connect with you so that we can follow up with you, get feedback from you, and then just be able to help you any way that we can. Uh, Anybody, not just guests, are able to update their info or be added to the email list. And there are two ways to do that. The first of which is by a hard copy that you should have in the seat back in front of you. Uh, It's going to look like this, an information card here in the pocket of the chair in front of you. Uh, Fill that out. Put it in the offering box uh, in the back on your way out. We would appreciate that. On the very bottom, there are three different things that we're going to do with that, just in case you're wondering why my information. Uh, The second way to to update your information or to give us your info is electronically. And you can do that if you'd like to um, on the Next Steps page of our website or by using the YouVersion app or the Bible app. Uh, We love the YouVersion app here. The instructions on how to do that are up on the screen. Um, You can, uh, during the gathering, you can take notes, you can give. There's so many ways to connect with it. But also, you can make Centerway your church, uh, quote, your church on the YouVersion, or yeah, YouVersion, right? Sorry, thanks. <laughs> One of the reasons we love that aspect of it is because uh, it's kind of a community. We're able to kind of uh, see what verses are being highlighted, uh, notes that people are taking. It's really, really fun. Uh, so please check that out. I did already mention giving through the app. And of course, we don't expect any of our guests to give. But if you attend regularly and you prefer not to use the app, you can use the envelope in front of you and place that in the centerway offering box on the way out. They look just like this. Um, Or you can go to the Give tab of our website. Now, today is week seven of our series called Built to Be in the Book of Nehemiah. And if you're kind of looking ahead, uh, it's almost coming to a close. So it's kind of bittersweet. It's going to be a really, really exciting day today. We only have a couple more weeks left. Uh, But If this is your first week or one of your first week here, I do want to let you know that we do have journals available for you. Uh, They're right behind the sound booth. You can feel free to grab one even now. Um, And if you are joining us online, shoot us an email, and we will be happy to send you one even now. We have resources for this series. You can connect and engage throughout the week. We have wallpapers for your devices, uh, Spotify playlists, social media channels, Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that you could also subscribe to on the website or by using the info card. And what you want to do is go to the messages page of the website to access these resources. And one of the things that we really value here at Centerway uh, is uh, to take a next step in your journey with Jesus. 
And so if you're looking to take that next step, you can visit the Next Steps area in the back or that page of our website. And there are just so many different ways uh, to, to continue learning to follow Jesus. And so we want to help you uh, in, with those steps along your journey. In fact, I'd like to highlight one of those next steps. We do have a new circle cycle that began this past week here. Uh, but you can still sign up. Don't feel like it's too late. You're still welcome to sign up for circles. Uh, what they are is an incredible way to connect and engage throughout the week. All we really do is we simply talk about the message uh, and how it's coming alive in our lives and how we're applying the text. And so it's a great way to meet people, to grow, to be encouraged. Um, and there are five to choose from, which is really exciting. So including adults, students, and kids. And then students, just as a reminder, your circle uh, is going to be taking place right after uh, this gathering. Consider joining a circle. You will be so glad that you did. And again, you can visit the Next Steps area in the back at the end of our gathering or visit the Next Steps page of our website anytime for all of those things. Uh, one more thing, parents and grandparents, that there is an ice skating night tomorrow for our Centerway kids. So check that out on the calendar page of our website, along with some other upcoming activities that we have there. Now, finally, if you have questions, if you have feedback, if you have ideas for us or you need prayer for anything, the best way to connect with us is uh, through email, connect at centerwaychurch.com. Now, here's what to expect for the rest of our gathering today. Claude will be communicating from the Bible. After that, we're going to be responding to the word by worshiping through singing. And uh, then we are going to just continue to celebrate what God has done through um, time at the cafe and hanging out together, which is, this is great. Can we pray together? Just believe in God for uh, an incredible time in his presence today. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful uh, that your word says that we're two or more gathered in your name. There you are in the midst of us. And so we recognize that today. We celebrate that today, Lord God. And we pray, Father God, that because you are here, uh, that you would do in us whatever it is that you want to do in us, Lord God. We are grateful that uh, your presence changes things, it changes the atmosphere. So do a work in us that only you can do, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have no idea why I walked up here. That was creepy. <laughs> like in the middle of praying, I'm like, I'm just going to hover right here. <laughs> that was fine. Yeah. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Claude. Uh, my wife, Meredith, and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. want to welcome you if you've uh, never been here before. Uh, grateful that you chose to be with us this frigid morning. Uh, as has already been mentioned by Eric, we're continuing in our series that's entitled Built to Be. Built to Be. And we're journeying through uh, the book of Nehemiah. And uh, today's text specifically is Nehemiah chapter 12, verses uh, 27 through 47. So that's kind of the pericope or the chunk of scripture that we're going to be kind of unpacking together. And the title of today's uh, talk is Blessing. Blessing. So um, if we're a follower of Christ, and I know that we always have a large gamut of people at different points in their spiritual journey, and so you may be here, you know, trying to navigate whether or not you even believe if God is real, and that's fine, and you're welcome to be here, but for those of us that consider ourselves follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus is built to be blessing, built to be blessing, and you might think that I forgot a word there, <laughs> that it's not built to be a blessing, like, you're such a blessing. And, uh, and you are a blessing, I'm sure. And I'm sure your mother told you that even when you didn't feel like it. <laughs> you're a blessing. No, I'm not, Mom. You're beautiful. You're like, wow, this guy had a lot of positive reinforcement growing up. I did. Moving on. 
Uh, the, uh, so I'm not saying built to be a blessing. And I'm also not saying like in our society, there's a whole hashtag blessed movement going on. Like I'm just, I'm blessed. Uh, I don't mean that either. And so I'm talking about the action of blessing. So we are built blessing. We are built to be blessing, to be actively blessing others. That's what we're talking about. And I know that that might sound rather odd, but bear with me as we make more sense of it as we kind of move through the text and connect some of the dots here. Um, And before I jump into the text right now, I want to share um, kind of a story. It's not really a specific story. It's kind of a a series of experiences that I had. um, And it will seem somewhat unrelated, like I mentioned already, uh, until you kind of see the connections as we move on. The uh, story I want to share with you is something I actually experienced um, when I was living outside of Philadelphia. So um, I went to college just outside of Philly, and there was... uh, there were teams there, obviously, specifically the baseball team and uh, the football team is what we were most kind of, you know, entrenched in. And so uh, at the time, there was not much to be celebrating. Uh, the, the Phillies, we could, I remember uh, in our apartment, we could turn on the TV. There was a Phillies game on. We'd be like, hey, you want to go? And we're like, yeah, let's go. And so we'd jump in a car and we'd drive to the stadium. At the time, it was Veterans Stadium, the old one. We would drive there, be able to drive right in, one of us would pay $5 for parking, and then the rest of us would pay between 3 and $5 a piece in order for all of us to get in. And by then, it would be past the third or fourth inning, and so we could go right down on the third baseline because nobody cared. <laughs> it was just completely vacant. We could just get into the games super easily. And uh, there, were, there were experiences that we had in those games. I'm not a Phillies fan, but I'm a fan of baseball. And I I remember specifically the way um, the fans would celebrate. (laughs) And it's unique in Philadelphia. It's unique in every city, right? But uh, it's unique in Philadelphia. uh, In baseball, when they were really excited or really uh, frustrated or really anything, they would throw batteries on the field at the players. So that's not cool. Um, But they would do it. They'd scream and yell and batteries would come flying out like, yeah, there's nothing like celebrating. Whip a nine volt battery at somebody's head. And so everybody would scream and yell and they would shut the game down and they would threaten everybody. And, you know, all five of us, they're going to kick you out of the game, you know, because uh, it was very sparse. Um, so celebration looked like some form of destruction there in every game that I went to. Uh, then when it was football season and they would win, which was not very often, uh, they would come out of the stadium and we would have to be cautious about where we would park because their way of responding to winning was to destroy the city. It was very odd. And uh, I know that it sounds like I'm speaking in generalizations and you might think that I'm picking on the city of Philly, but I'm not. And the proof is that now that they are winning, um, the, uh, if you recall the last time, if you're connected, and I know a lot of us may not even give a rip about football, but the last time they were in a playoff game, they were talking about how they had to go out and grease the poles. They greased all of the poles in the city of Philadelphia, Google it, and the re- police greased the poles, the, 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 the public works greased the poles because the fans would climb the poles otherwise and destroy the light posts and jump onto vehicle roofs to destroy them. Like, what? What are you talking about? 
Like, why in the world does celebration look like destruction? I have no idea. I never understood it. I still don't understand it. It's something that happens. And if you're from Philly and you're like, listen, we just like breaking stuff. Okay. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying unique, right? It's a unique way to celebrate. Um, And the question that I want to ask as we move in to the text today is this. What is your favorite way to celebrate? (laughs) What's your favorite way to celebrate? And you're like, listen, breaking stuff sounds pretty awesome. (laughs) I mean, okay, whatever. But we all celebrate in different ways. And I'm sure it depends on what you're celebrating, determines what your favorite way to celebrate is. And I'm also sure that thoughts are kind of flooding your mind right now, and they range everywhere from embarrassing moments of celebration, where you're like, oh my gosh, that was ridiculous. I was just outside of my mind. Or you're like, listen, I found myself in Philly one time. Okay? <laughs> Guilty as charged. Uh, no. The, the uh, yeah, I have so many thoughts. That, oh my gosh, the things that they... Do you remember newspaper stands? I mean, they're, they're rare now, but you find one every once in a while. They, a couple of guys, they're chain, they were chained. When I was in college, they were chained to light posts because they would grab those and throw them into the road. We won! <laughs> Destruction! You know, so just certain things are like, why? I don't, I just can't wrap my mind around. So it ranges from maybe destruction. Maybe you're in that vein. Uh, but embarrassing moments of celebration all the way to like, as you're hearing this, maybe you're sitting there saying, I'm, I'm pretty boring. I, I can't think of anything <laughs> celebratory. Like I, I go, woo. <laughs> you know, and so we have this wide range of celebration. From screaming and yelling and destruction all the way to a subtle clap and a smile of excitement and everywhere in between. We have a wide range of people. And uh, the point is, as humans, the way we choose to celebrate is about us. The way you choose to celebrate is about you. It's about your preference. I mean, after all, it's your celebration. You can respond how you want. And so you've probably been in settings where people are like, come on, let's jump off the roof. Let's jump off the roof. You're like, I'm not jumping off the roof. Or you're the person on the roof being like, come on, let's jump off the roof. Ridiculous thing into a pool, of course. All right, I don't, maybe I should have phrased that better. Um, some of you are like, who jumps off roof? And some people, oh, anyway. The celebration is connected to our comfort zones, our preferences, And we know this. I mean, ultimately, you know this. You understand. We see examples of it everywhere. And maybe Philadelphia is too far away. If we just look into the stadium closest to us and you look at the Bills Stadium, you know, high mark, there's people that are clapping, people that are cheering. There are people that are jumping off of things, breaking mighty light tables. Why is that a thing? Why? It's a thing. If if you you aren't a, a Bills fan, it's a thing. Like... They break mighty light tables. And if you are a Bills fan, you're like, quit picking on the table thing. I don't understand. Um, But it's like, hey, let's break something. Why not? Let's cheer at somebody jumping off of a snowbank to break a thing. Let's set the thing on fire and watch them dive into it and break the thing. Right? And like some of you guys are like, that is normal. The light post thing is ridiculous. (laughs) What? No, it's all insanity. But it's different forms of celebration in different settings. And so 
It all comes down to how we want to respond, how we celebrate. Today's text actually reveals something about celebration, so it does connect. (laughs) Today's text reveals that celebration connected to spiritual things ought to be God-focused. And as a result, we are changed. So as a result of our celebration to God, we actually experience a change. Let's read verse 27 as we jump in. Verse 27 says this, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. I don't know about you, but that would be something if all of a sudden you show up at Highmark Stadium with a harp. (laughs) Go, Bills. Destroy the mighty light table. Quick, get the liars, the symbols. Like, what are you talking about? I just, I had the image I had to share. But they're, they're gathering together to celebrate. This is a celebration that's taking place. And this section of scripture, this, this pericope of scripture is about how they choose to celebrate. And it's a decision to say, we're not going to make celebration about us, but we're going to make celebration about God. And some of us, as I mentioned last week, have turned worship into something about us instead of something about God. That worship is actually for God. It's not for us. And so we look at this and we see a gathering of a community, a gathering of a nation. They're coming together to dedicate the wall that had been completed. And if you've been with us for the journey through Nehemiah, then you understand kind of where we're at. If you haven't, you can always check them out if you're interested online through our uh, messages page. But They're celebrating the completion of this wall. And it's been a journey where they have responded to the law being read. They've extended times of worship. And they've had festivals of celebration. And now it's time to do the act of the actual dedication. And this dedication involves, according to verse 27, them seeking the Levites out. So they're looking for the Levites. And that, that might sound weird if you don't understand what the Levitical um, group of people do, but it means that they're seeking out people that are connected to the worshiping of God. And they're trying to gather them together. And the reason they're gathering them together, together is because they're wanting to assign celebration and worship to God. If this was a, a civil dedication then it would be like a, you know, a ribbon-cutting ceremony. Like, we're dedicating this wall. There would be a ribbon, you know, they'd cut it. I mean, not then, because they probably didn't have scissors, in case you're wondering. Anyway, all right. So the, uh, it's not a civil dedication. It's a spiritual dedication. And the indicator of that, the, the revelation of that, is the fact that they're seeking out the Levites. This is a spiritual act. God is to be worshipped. In fact, in Hebrew, the word used for dedication here also means consecration. So there's a word for dedication in the term that we mean it, and then there's a word used for consecrating. It means to set apart, to declare it holy. And so they're dedicating in a way of consecration. They're literally saying, let's celebrate the faithfulness of God by giving this wall back to him, by giving it back to him. We've done all of this work And now we're giving it back to him. This is your wall, Lord. 
So it's a public and corporate acknowledgement that they have accomplished something in rebuilding the wall that is completely unbelievable. In fact, it's so unbelievable, they're declaring publicly, this is all God. It's all him. And we acknowledge that now. And as a result, we will do whatever he wants us to do with it. It's his, not ours. So what does that type of celebration look like? What does that look like in, uh, in the text, in context? If we look at verse 43, we're going to see an answer to that. Verse 30, 43 says, And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. That's a phrase that's important. If you've been with us, it's a phrase that mimics a phrase earlier that we've discussed. It's intentional. And we're going to talk about it in a second. Biblical celebration in response to God's faithfulness looks like, according to this verse, and also mimicked or continued throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Biblical celebration looks like personal sacrifice and verbal worship. Personal sacrifice and verbal worship. That sounds like not fun, you know. Listen, if you want to respond to the Lord, have some personal sacrifice and some verbal worship. You're like, that sounds not cool. But there's more. There's more. Aren't you excited? Verse 44, it says this. On that day, men were appointed over storerooms. The contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites, according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. So we see something else. We see people beginning to serve in different roles as a response to what God has done. So get this. Spiritual celebration, spiritual celebration looks like stewarding our time, our talent, and our treasure for God's glory and our joy. And that's a phrase that you hear a lot if you're around uh, Centerway any amount of time. It's one of our because and therefores attached to celebration. But it's also a, a theme that is echoed all throughout Scripture, even into the New Testament. This idea that if we can connect and understand how we leverage our time, our talent, and our treasure, that that reveals our spiritual priorities. It reveals what it is that we're living life for. It exposes the condition of our heart. And so we consecrate all that we are and all that we have because we've encountered and experienced God's faithfulness. So celebration is a response. Humans celebrate for a reason, right? I mean, that's a no-brainer, not very profound. We celebrate for a reason. So let's kind of put it together here. I've, I've kind of done a smattering of some information And if we connect some of the dots as to how it applies to our life, it means this. If you're not willing or wanting to worship, that's okay. It just means you don't understand the reason. 
it's revealing something about you. So that's why, you know, I grew up in an environment exposed to church in different circles. And it was like, hey, sing. I'm like, what? Like, sing. I'm like, oh, okay. Great is thy faithfulness. <laughs> or I will. Right? Yeah. I was way better at that. Yeah. And, and then other people like, hey, worship. I'm like, oh, right. Worship. I should close my eyes. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> like, huh, no, everybody's still here. And I'm still mouthing the words. And uh, I'm going to look real passionate about it so my mom stops yelling at me. Maybe I'll raise my hands because other people are. I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to play the part of worshiper. Why? Because they don't understand. That happens a lot in our lives. And it happens at an early age. So it's not just a church thing. People like to pick on the church thing and like to say, oh, you're a hypocrite, you're a faker. But the reality is we're hypocrites and fakers in a lot of realms, <laughs> right? Like, hey, kids, shh, stop. Sit down and behave. My favorite is when we would go over to someone's home and I'm like, grab something with my hand, like put it in, like, no, use the fork. I'm like, oh, okay, because we use forks at home, Right? <laughs> Why are you walking to the couch? Are we, are we not eating at the couch? We're eating at the table like we do every night. Like, right. Every night we do this with the fork, right? We do this all the time in all different areas. Like, listen, people are over, so now we're going to pretend like we're civilized. <laughs> we're walking into church. We're going to pretend like we love each other. Now shut up and get inside. <laughs> like, okay, I love you too, mommy. Why? Because we're not connecting the dots. We're not, we're not often taking the time to say, listen, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And now we have a choice as to whether or not to participate. And I joke about those examples because we all do them. It resonates with all of us. And for some reason, we're not willing to talk about it because we want to come into this place and act like we have it all together. But really what we need is to be authentic about our brokenness about the areas that aren't lining up. A place where we can be safe and say, hey, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this though. And we can talk about it and realize that this is a place where we're learning to follow Jesus together, where we're being transformed by the gospel together. And so if you're sitting there and, and, and you don't want to worship, you don't have to worship. You don't have to. No more than I'm gonna go to a game and be like, hey, clap. Why? Because that was a single, and it's awesome. Clap. You are a fan. I don't want to, Dad. Shut up. We are here to celebrate. We wouldn't do that. Isn't that weird? Like We don't yell at our kids to celebrate appropriately in sporting events. We don't correct people to care about certain things. But there, there's this idea of it maybe reflecting on us. So then is worship really for God? Or are we turning it into something for us? And so is there an inconsistency in the lives of people, not because anything other than they don't fully understand? They're not fully connecting the dots. If you have not been transformed by the gospel, if you don't understand what it is that the Lord has done, I do not expect you to worship him as a result. It makes no sense. However, 
if you have experienced the transformative work of the gospel in your life, how can you not? How can you not worship? How can, and if you're like, well, because I'm embarrassed, then, then you haven't fully experienced. It hasn't wrecked you. It hasn't wrecked you because here's the deal. When you've been transformed by something, it compels you. It compels you to respond. And so all of a sudden you look and you reprioritize the the areas of your life. How is it that I'm dealing with my time? How is it that I'm dealing with my talents and my treasure? If you understand that, it makes perfect sense. If you don't, you're like, why are we talking about time, talent, and treasure again? Seriously, I get it. Time, talent, treasure. (laughs) Some of you are like, too close, too close to home there. Because if, if you don't get it, then it just sounds like rote words being repeated over and over again. But we have to be confronted with it because we have to evaluate what it is that we're leveraging our one and only life toward. Otherwise, what are we doing? Are we just coming here, going through the motions? My gosh, you have better things to do. You have better things to do. But if, if there's a transformative work, if there's a connection to the God of the universe, the creator of all, then I am all in, and you have my undivided attention. We celebrate for a reason. So do you have a reason to worship? Do you understand the reason to worship? Something profound is taking place. I alluded to it earlier. When, we started, when they started to rebuild the temple, you saw this in Ezra a little bit when we were in Advent. They're rebuilding this temple. And then in Nehemiah, before the wall was even started, before it was started, they came in and they laid the foundation for the temple. And if you recall, if you were here, and if not, I'm going to remind you, or I'm going to explain it briefly. They laid the foundation of the temple and people began to rejoice and scream and yell and others began to weep and mourn. Remember that? Weeping and mourning. And it used the same phrase to say it was heard from a long, far off, uh, sorry. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Same phrasing of Hebrew. When, when in the Hebrew language, there is similar phrasing exact in a prose, what it means is it's referring back to another time in which that same exact phrase was used. So the author is trying to say, hey, compare this to that. Compare this to that. That's the structure of the narrative, the way that it is written. And so the reason why that that's important is because when we reflect back on why they began to weep, some are cheering, but why did some begin to weep and mourn? It's because they had unmet expectations and preconceived ideas. They were mourning what they thought the temple would be like, what it should be like, what its size should be. And they were like, not big enough not grand enough, not as good as the last time we did this. And so they were broken and heavy hearted. Their expectations were unmet and it caused mourning and weeping. But now, now we jump forward as they're dedicating, not only the fact that the the temple has been rebuilt inside, but now they're dedicating and consecrating the fact that the wall has been completed around Jerusalem and they see the full fruition of God's faithfulness. And so the author says, hey, remember that? Well, now there's only rejoicing. That's it. It's all celebration. So what does that mean? It means that, that people that started off 
mourning and sad with expectation when they saw God fulfill his will, all they had was rejoicing. That was it. Everything in them rejoiced. They're connecting the two. And it's something to notice and consider because I believe that that word is something for all of us today. Maybe for some of us specifically even more so. We've lost sight of the faithfulness of God. And so maybe God is at work in your life, but you're sad. You're angry. You're heavy hearted. Why? Because your expectations are unmet. Because you had a preconceived idea of how this was going to work out. And so now you're seeing it unfold and you're just, you're upset. You're upset at what God is doing or what God is not doing. Because after all, you and your finite life and me and my finite life, we obviously know better than the creator of the universe. We function that way, right? Like God, I understand how this should play out and you're missing it. We're angry and sad because of unmet expectations. And I want to tell you, it's because we lack perspective. And you might sit there and say, okay, that's fine. Then I lack perspective. But the reason I bring it up and the reason that it's focused on even in this text is because we are being robbed of our joy if we settle for that lie. In fact, we're being robbed of the joy of our salvation. We're being robbed of the joy of our salvation if we fall victim to the idea of connecting our unmet expectations to what we believe God should be doing instead of seeing the faithfulness of God in the midst of it. I don't, I don't know about you, but I want to experience the presence and faithfulness of God that I am able to rejoice and worship even when my idea of how it should be going is different than what is taking place. And then at the end, when everything is concluded, when the season is over, when the situation is resolved, whatever that looks like, that at the end I'm able to say, God, I did my best throughout to continue to worship and praise you because you have been faithful throughout. I didn't like the journey, but I see you in it all the way. David talks about this in Psalm 51. King David talks about the idea of saying, God, I don't want to be robbed of the joy of your salvation. I want to focus my heart on that. I want, to, I want to lean into that in the midst of the difficulty of this season or the circumstances or the situation. And so I want to tell you today, if you find yourself in a season where you're saying, I understand that God is worthy of my worship, but my heart's too heavy to assign that worship. I have unmet expectations. I'm hurt. I'm broken. To you, I want to I tell you God is at work. God is at work. And you don't think he's at work, but God is at work. And his faithfulness will span through the difficulty and there will be ups and downs, but you can lean into the faithfulness of God and find a peace that passes all understanding and a joy that's everlasting. Why? Because that's what scripture says is available. And we see it even in the Old Testament, and I've mentioned this before, where King David tells his soul to worship. He's telling his flesh, listen, worship, he's worthy. 
But even more so when we see the obviousness of God's faithfulness before us, we can stand back and say, okay, God, you're at work. All too often, our willingness to dedicate every part of our lives to God and to his purposes are contingent upon our ability to guarantee that we will benefit. I want to say that again, and I want you to think about it, because one, it's kind of obvious, but two, it's sort of embarrassingly profound. <laughs> All too often, our willingness to dedicate every part of our lives to God and to his purposes are contingent. The linchpin is upon our ability to guarantee that we will benefit. If we're going to benefit, I'm all in. (laughs) Well, no joke. Anybody would do that. Like, no, no, no. Listen, I'm a really good Christian. (laughs) So if God promises that everything's going to work out exactly the way that I want and I'm going to benefit completely, then I'm totally in. Like, wow, that's huge of you. That's amazing. God must be, you're a blessing. (laughs) No, no, the the stirring of the proof of the transformation of the gospel in our life is saying, listen, I trust God enough to where even in the midst of the difficulty, the pain, the hurt, the suffering, I will continue to worship you even without a guarantee that anything is beneficial to me. Why? Because you're worthy, God. You're worthy. And so if, if I never see your faithfulness in this lifetime, I will continue to lean in. I will continue to worship. I will continue to give you praise. Why? Because you hung the stars in the sky. Because you make the sun go up and the sun go down. Because you are the creator of all. The beauty, the air in my lungs. You are worthy of my praise. God, give me perspective that I would realize all that you have done. And so you know what? In your lifetime, you may see the fulfillment of the prayers that have been prayed. But you may not. You may not. And he's still worthy. And he's still worthy. And if you don't understand that, then I understand why you're not willing to worship. Get it? You see what I mean? If you don't see that, then then it makes sense to withhold. Because you're like, no, no, no. I'm doing this for me. And so I I give of myself, I give of my time, my talent, treasure in order to receive. And you know what? That's not worship. That's a transaction. That is a transaction. And God doesn't promise transactions. You need to hear the implication of that because some of us will say, oh, I am not in the sea. I will never make a transaction with God, Claude. I will not. However, he does kind of owe me this one. Because I have been faithful. Because I have prayed. And because he says he loves me. So where is mine? What? That's a transaction, dude. Like, that's a transaction. And we do it. We feel the tension of it. But God, I, but, listen, someone far smarter than I, and I don't recall who it is, said this, all we bring to the cross is the sin that makes it necessary. That's it. That's all we bring. All we bring to God is the need for salvation. There's, there, there has to be something that resonates within us because that's what makes the gospel offensive. Because in our humanity, we're like, no, 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 I'm, I earn it. 
Like, I'm valuable, I'm important. And God's like, yeah, you're valuable important because I call you valuable important. You are loved because I say you're loved. You're beautiful because I say you're beautiful. I am the creator of the world. And I loved you so much that I laid down my life. There was a problem you could not resolve yourself. And I even resolved the problem so that we could remain in relationship. You see, thank God he doesn't promise transactions because we quite frankly don't have enough. We bring nothing but a mess to the table. His promises are transformations. That's it. God works in transformational. He works in the transformational. He doesn't work in the transactional. He says, no, I will transform you. And so in the midst of the pain and the difficulty, something is being transformed in our heart and our mind and the gospel is transforming us. It's winning us and growing us at the same time. He promises transformational life and that's why he looks at, he looks at us. Jesus looks at us and he says, listen, give me your life so that you may live. The disciples are like, what? He says, listen, you want to be first? Become the last. Yeah, I don't understand what you're talking about. He's talking about this idea of paradox. This idea that it's completely counterintuitive to the way that we live our lives. We live in a world that says it's about me and what I have to earn. And God is saying, listen, I already did it. And so will you be? Will you be? Will you find your value and your identity in me? And as a result, be freed to love not only yourself, but others. If we're trying to conjure up the love that it takes to extend love to the unlovable, we will fall short often. Because there's always a reason that somebody thinks differently than us, looks differently than us, functions differently than us. And so even when we function as a philanthropist, oftentimes, more than not, we are actually elevating ourselves to say, look how great I am. I am caring for the unlovable. Pin a rose on my nose. I don't know, just popped in, so throwback phrase for you. But this idea that we're saying, I am doing these things so that I feel better about myself. I can't believe there are other people that aren't helping the helpless. And God's like, gosh, that's just as corrupt. Instead, if you would connect the reality that, that you bring nothing to the game and that you are simply an outflow of God's mercy and care and love to others, then your act of serving others becomes worship to him. And it's worship to him rather than elevating yourself. You see, it's only in understanding the gospel, which is our depravity and his grace, that we can worship. That we can worship at our perceived expense and be joyful. In fact, scripture says that he loves a a joyful giver, a joyful sacrificer. What? I say perceived expense because the unbelievable reality of living your life in line with the gospel is that we actually benefit. We actually benefit. And And so we benefit from the willingness to just open up our hands and say, God, your will. Here's all that I am. Have your will. I consecrate it to you. All of my life, my time, my talent, my treasure. Have you ever 
Have you ever helped someone and they, uh, and they thank you like profusely? And as they're thanking you, you say, listen, I got more out of this than you did. Have you ever felt that? Like this idea, like you're almost embarrassed that they're thanking you. You're like, I can't believe I get to do this for you. Like, seriously, you don't have to thank me. Like, this was a joy. I was happy to help you. If you've ever experienced that, that's a taste of the joy that comes in true worship. That's a taste of the joy that comes in true worship. When we're transformed by the gospel, it's a joy that comes when it's a response to understanding that which God has done. Like, oh, this is a response to God's faithfulness? I'm all in. I'm all in. And here's the deal. It's more obvious in different seasons of our life. If we've been transformed by the gospel, we say things like, we get to worship. I get to worship with my time, my talent, and treasure. I get to. Not, I have to. Here's the different seasons. If you can remember back, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to him fully, if you can remember back to that moment where the gospel just awoke in your heart, and you're like, oh my gosh. And you understood not only your depravity, but God's grace. You're like, this is unbelievable. If you can think back to that season, and for some of us, it's more recent, and so it's fresh in your mind. For some of you, it's right now. You're in this. If that's you, or if you can remember back, whatever God asked, right? Whatever, if, if at the, like my time, my talent, treasure, it's all yours, God. It's all you. There's this energy, this awareness of what it is that we've been set free from. There's this freedom and this joy. And God, I'm all in. I'm all in. I get to do this. It's all yours anyway. The problem, the difficulty is on the other bookends. The, uh, the other end. So on one end, if you have not been transformed by the gospel, then you're sitting there saying, this is a transaction. I'm being manipulated. They're asking for stuff I don't want to give. No. No, you cannot have my time, my talent, or my treasure, sir. I always think it's funny when people are offended uh, that the church is like trying to get something from them. Like maybe there are churches that are trying to manipulate you or something. Uh, I would hope and pray that Centerway is not one of them. Obviously, we endeavor not to do that. But even if even if there was like some manipulative mastermind of like, <laughs> how will you ever be tricked into being like, well, I don't want to, but fine, you can have it all, all my money, like. What are you talking? Like, nobody's ever, like, quick. Well, we pray, rob them, Meredith. <laughs> Thank you for coming to church today. You know what I love about that? Adam is totally going to turn that into a video clip, and we are going to see that often. It's probably going to be my wife's ringer for me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I really need to rethink how it is I function up here sometimes. But, um, it's almost like we function like that. Like, like, I can't, how dare you? How dare you try to ask me for something? I'm not asking you for anything. I'm asking you to consider that maybe there should be a response to that which God has done. And if you're not willing to, then you need to process why. 
You need to process why. And you need to get to the root of that. And, and, and if it is, and I'm being completely serious, if it's like I'm just, I'm, there's too much of a hurdle of this church, of Centerway in some way, and you can't resolve that with us, with leadership, whatever, which I would encourage and welcome you to do, then I would say go to another church where you can find community and link arms and go deep and say, my gosh, I get to, I get to give my time and talent and treasure. And I'm saying that in all sincerity, not because I want anybody to go, nor is anybody threatening to go. So it's not like I'm addressing something. I'm saying it because this is about God. It's about God. It's not, it's not about us or you. No, this is about getting into a community where you're saying, I get to do this. And so on the one side, there's people that perceive this as a transaction. And then on the other side, if you have been in faith long enough, there is a temptation to turn what is transformational into religiosity. And when we turn things into religion, it becomes obligatory. And obligatory loses life as equal as a transaction. And so we have to fight to remind our heart and soul to say, no, we need to speak the truth of the gospel to ourselves and remind ourselves of God's faithfulness and his beauty and the way that he has functioned with faithfulness in and throughout our lives time and time again at every turn so that we may not perceive this to be transactional and we may not allow it to become religion or obligation but instead we would function in the fullness of the joy of our salvation. Say, oh my gosh, I get to do this. I get to be a part of what you're doing. I get to be a part of the redemptive narrative that God is authoring, not only in the lives of those around us, but in our region, in our communities, in our spheres of influence. You get to be a part of that. There are people that have come into this place and their entire lives have been changed. The structure of their family, the the direction of the generations of their lives are being transformed. Why? In part, because you linked arms and said, okay, God, my time and talent, my treasure, I will give all that I am. Why? To create a space that is safe where people can come and be transformed by the gospel. We get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that. It's a response. We're blessed to be blessing. People say, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe the people at Centerway, they're so kind. And people at this church, you guys, you guys are so generous. You're so present in this pain. You're so, we get to, we get to. That's not, that's not me, that's not Meredith, that's not any leader. No, that's a group of imperfect people being transformed by the gospel and living it out to the best of their ability. Will we fail? Yes. Will there be a time where you're like, oh my gosh, I had an expectation of this and it went unmet. Will you be angry? Probably. Will you be sad? Yeah. But God will be faithful even through our imperfections. God will be faithful because we will continue to lean in to gospel-centered community and we will apologize for our shortcomings and we'll pick up the pieces and we'll continue to live together. Why? Because we're filled with the joy of, of God's salvation. So when we get good things, we can resist the thought, what did I ever do to deserve this? I've thought that before. What did I ever do to deserve this? The answer is nothing. It's God's grace to us. 
And if it's God's grace to us, then maybe the question should be, how can I leverage this for God's glory and my joy? We're built to be blessing. That's what we were created for, to be blessing others with all that we are. And so when we do it, it fills up our soul. And when we do it in response as a form of worship to God, we are transformed. We come alive when we're part of God's transformative plans. And so I wanna ask you a question as we talk about every week that the text requires something of us. The question is this, what next step will I take? What are you gonna do about it? What next step will you take? Because it's one thing to sit there and be like, yeah, that's true. I, I need to connect that which I say I believe to the way in which I function. And it needs to be an extension of the way I live my life. So what am I gonna do about it? You're like, mm, that's never fun, right? The rubber meets the road. So as I already stated, I'm not trying to get anything from you. I want you to consider what it is that the Lord is asking you to do next. If you would, just bow your heads. With your heads bowed, just so you're not distracted as the worship team comes up. In fact, if you'd like, you can close your eyes so you aren't distracted by those around you even. With your head bowed, consider for some of you you're processing this and you're saying, listen, I don't, I don't know that I understand the joy that God makes available because I haven't surrendered my life to him. I'm still sitting on the throne room of my own life. I'm living my life for myself. And if you're out there today and you want to come into relationship with the Lord, if you want to surrender your life to him, it's as simple as a prayer in the quietness of your own mind right now. And it's not a specific prayer that needs to be repeated, but something along the lines of saying, God, I'm a sinner. You died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. A prayer something like that in the quietness of your mind and allow the transformation to begin to take place in your heart and mind. And if you're praying that prayer, if you've just prayed that prayer, I'd love to talk to you about specific next steps connected to your journey. I'll be at the next steps area in the back of the room following the gathering. Eric will be up here available for prayer if you want prayer for anything. For those of you that are online live right now, if you just prayed that prayer and you wanna know what your next steps could be, you could click request prayer in that live thread and you'll go directly into a chat live with one of our pastors and they'll talk to you about the next steps that are available to you. So it's not just an emotional response or a momentary decision. We'd love to walk alongside you. If you're watching or listening later on, you can always reach out through our website or via email, and we'd love to talk to you about it. For everyone else, if you've already crossed that line of faith, if you've already said, God, I'm I'm in, or if today, for the first time, you did that, I I want to challenge you, what is your next step? What's the next step that you'll take? And for some of you, it might be uh, water baptism. We have those a, a couple times a year. It's an opportunity to go public with the decision that you've made to proclaim that you are a follower of Jesus now. So maybe that's your next step is to sign up for the next water baptism. For others of you, when you consider the idea of your time, it might be like, listen, I, 
I'm leveraging my talent and my treasure, but my time, just hours seem to go through my fingers like sand. I just, I need to be better at my prayer life and just carving out time to, to spend time praying, seeking God's face. Maybe it means signing up for the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotional and, and, and providing opportunity for something to be delivered right to you to just remind you it's, it's time to spend some time with God right now. To do the version app and have things pushed to you so you can remember that it's time to spend some time with the Lord. For others of us, it's the talent aspect of things. It's time to get in the game to serve in some way. And we have opportunities for you to serve, whether you're uh, here for the very first time and you want in on something and you're not even sure that there is a God, there's a way for you to be able to serve all the way up to committed Christ followers that are connected in ways that, that are influencing and leading others in this environment. So where are you? Is it, is it time to say, I'm available? I'm available to leverage the way that God wired me and, and put my hand in a circle and serve on a team. For others of us, it is the treasure aspect. Maybe you're spending time with the Lord and, and, and you're serving in some way, but, but it's so difficult for you to process how you deal with your finances. In fact, some of us are in financial difficulty because we function with our money in an ungodly way. And so we say it's like this vicious cycle, like how do I get ahead if I don't have enough money? Well, you don't have enough money because you're not dealing with it properly and biblically. What does that look like for you to begin to pursue dealing with your finances in a biblical way. We have opportunity to come alongside you if you have questions or need help in that way, just to understand it. I don't know what your next step is. And the truth of the matter is, you can leave this place having taken no next step. (laughs) Like you can, you do nothing with it. You just check the box of attendance and that's between you and God. But today I wanna challenge you to lean in and take a next step because you will benefit. Because you will experience the joy of your salvation. And I don't mean benefit as a transaction. I mean you are filled with joy that you get to be a part of what it is that God is doing. And if you're out there and you're saying, listen, I am doing all of those to the best of my ability and I'm leaning in and it's an outflow of my life and it's not works salvation, it's a function and an outflow of my faith And I want to challenge you, what is your next step? Is it time to be missional? Is it time to to have a spiritual conversation with someone? To speak into their lives, to be a blessing to others. To be a blessing to others so that you can introduce them to the transformation that you've experienced. You see, it never ends. There's, There's always an opportunity to lean in. In fact, I want to challenge some of you that are heavy-hearted today. We're about to go into worship and worship in song form. Obviously, as I've made very clear, we worship in a lot of different ways. But as we worship through singing in just a few short moments, if you're sitting there and you're saying, listen, I'm, I'm too heavy of heart. I'm too broken. I'm too hurt. I'm too mad. I want to challenge you to try something. And I won't know if you do it, This is between you and God. I want to challenge you to think about that pain 
to think about that hurt, to think about that frustration, to think about that unmet expectation, whatever it might be. I want you to think about it. And as you're thinking about it, I want you to thank God for his faithfulness in your life in the midst of that. I want you to display a sacrifice of worship and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm mad. I'm broken. I'm sad. But God, thank you. Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you're faithful. And you know what's going to be amazing? And I guarantee this. What's going to be amazing is all of a sudden, the grip that that thing has on your heart is going to start to break. You're going to feel a release. You're going to begin to realize, oh my gosh, God, you are faithful. And he's going he's to visit you in this space because he says in scripture that he will inhabit the praises of his people. God will set you free when you choose to lean into the pain and say, God, in the midst of it, I'm thinking about it right now, God, but thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness. And as the song is going on, maybe you don't even sing, but you just say thank you and thank you and you worship him. There will be a breakthrough. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Allow God to meet you and set you free and walk in the fullness of life. Lay down your life that you may live. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. God, I just come against the the lies and the worries and the cares of this world, the unmet expectation and the hurt that, that resonates from others and Lord, all the things that, that, that crowd our understanding of your faithfulness. I pray that there would be clarity in this place today, that there would be a breakthrough of your spirit and your presence, God, that we would experience the fullness of your joy and mercy and that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
I made reference to it, so I just felt compelled to, to read it. Psalm 51, verses 12 through 15. This is King David. And he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. He's processing the fact that he's murdered people. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not a moment at the end of a gathering or at the beginning. It's a lifestyle that we either choose to respond to that which we know God has done or not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we worship you. We worship you with all that we are. Father, because of who you are, you're worthy to be praised. And so God, no matter our circumstances, our situation, what others may do or what it is that we have done, God, we lay the sin of our life at your feet and we ask, oh God, that you would be present in the midst of our worship and that it would be a sweet sound to your ear that all that we do, that all that we have would be a praise and worship offering to you and you alone. We're grateful that we get to be a part of what you're doing. And we give you our yes today. Whatever it is, the answer is yes, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're free to hang out if I haven't met you yet. If this is your first time, I'd love to, to meet you before you go. Um, Otherwise, we will see you next week, and uh, you're not going to want to miss it as we continue in the series.